Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And if you've listened before, you know that I've talked with someone in every state plus D.C., all levels of government, whether in office or candidate or both, uh, often both. Um, and I've you know talked to people from U.S. Senate to borough council and school board, all points in between. And uh, even though I'm from Pittsburgh, I'm from Pennsylvania, though I live in Philadelphia, um, I have enjoyed talking with some people from Ohio, which sounds crazy. And actually, so far this year, the only candidate I've donated money to is an Ohio candidate, Tim Ryan. Um, Maybe that will change after today, because I'm going to talk to my new best friend of many friends, uh, Colin Flanagan, which I believe is a um, French name, I assume, Colin Flanagan, but maybe he'll correct me. Uh, so he is running for office in Ohio, and we're going to learn about his part of the state and why he's running and maybe why you should run. So, Colin, thanks for talking today. Yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Councilman Heil. Uh, it is really great to be here, and my name is Irish. It is. I would not assume. I don't want to assume. Um, <laughs> that's um, yeah. Speaking of Irish, have you seen the stories about Joe Biden's mother writing things yes. against the British? Like, these little things come out about the president that make me like him more that like aren't very well known necessarily. Yeah. I, uh, I'm hesitant to say this, but I think if Joe Biden would really lean into his like anti-British roots, we could, we could really dig up some animosity within the people. I I I think think that'd be very popular. Yeah. There's worse (laughs) things he could do for sure. Um, you know, I look in your background while this is an audio podcast, you have a lot of political memorabilia, um, and I always ask people, have you always been into politics? Did some election or thing in your family get you going? You know, how did you get interested in political life? Yeah, so I think this really comes back to, um, like, the 2012 election. I was still a child at the time. <laughs> this isn't surprising if you can see right. me now. But, um, what had happened was I was playing football, and um, my dad would come and pick me up, but my my grandfather would take me to practice and he'd stay there and watch the whole time. Um, cause that's, I guess what you do when you're old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, he'd pick me up and they'd talk in the parking lot and it was 2012 and they'd always be talking about the election. And so that's where my interest in politics really started was, um, you know, these high level debates about Obamacare and what it was going to do to union wages and, everything else. And where your family, like, was it a lot of tension in your family, people disagreeing or was it, um, you know, they were more like my parents, we don't really have a lot of disagreements. If anything, at this point, I'm convincing my dad, who's still a registered Republican for some reason, like he's more liberal than I am. And I have to like, <laughs> to what about. so, you know, was it a lot of disagreement, like a lot of families or was it a lot of, uh, past history? No, I think the majority of my family is definitely uh, a Democrat on both sides. I think we kind of fall into this weird place that a lot of Midwestern people are at right now, and that they don't think that the Democratic Party or the Republican Party is really listening to their issues. I mean, by and large, the Midwest kind of fell by the wayside, um, you know, just over the past several decades, and, and neither party has really done anything to help it up. So, I've heard that a lot, and it seems like, you know, where you look at Donald Trump and you look at Barack Obama before that, um, there was this big talk about the forgotten parts of the country. And it seems like a lot of politicians talk about it, but 
have use and and I like Tim Ryan. He, I I really enjoy his campaign. But do you think that there's anyone that's really focusing on those economic working class roots um, that you know is getting in uh, any getting a word in edgewise necessarily in a productive way? I think so. Um, I think it's huge um, that that Pete Buttigieg is the transportation secretary. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes down to one of those things. I don't really know that he was exactly deserving of the role, but uh, certainly I think he's done a great job since he got into place, and that's just how it is sometimes. Um, I think that Tim Ryan, you know, any of these Midwestern Democrats that are going out and, and doing what they believe in are doing the right thing. Sherrod Brown's another one of them. Yeah. Sherrod Brown's one of my favorites um, in any place, and I, like a one-two punch of Brown and Ryan – sounds like a dream ticket of Democrats in any state. But I've talked with a number of people on this podcast and in my own life about how, you know, you look online, you're very online. I, I know that's how I, we connected. Um, and the Democrats are seemingly more and more the, the suburban party, the part like it, it, there's the education divide necessarily. And I, look, I think everyone should be voting for progressives. But it seems like that is not necessarily the party that I started to grow up with. Like we should be the rural party. We should be the um, the Tim Ryan party. The the people who are like he said, showering after work, not before. Do you see? Is that your perspective there in Toledo? Yeah, and one thing that I think is, I don't think that that's in conflict with each other necessarily. Right. That it needs to be the people who you know wake up and go to the gym at four o'clock are any different than the people who shower at six o'clock after they've been out in the field all day. I think the people who go to the gym at four o'clock in the morning are crazy. So <laughs> there's a difference there. Uh, if they vote, they vote, right? Very true. And so um, I, don't, I don't think that those are in conflict with one another. I think a big part of it is how Democrats um, have messaged themselves, mm-hmm. um, how they've actually governed. And I don't think that that has, you know, lended itself to working class places like Ohio. So um, tell me a little bit about your part of Ohio because, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh and so as a result of growing up in Pittsburgh, we just always heard and thought terrible things about Cleveland and Cincinnati and all points in between. I'm sure that's not accurate. Um, What is your part of Ohio like? Flat. Flat. Very exciting. Very flat. (laughs) That's, That's the first thing people say when they're not from around here, they're like, oh my God, where are your hills? Mm-hmm. How do you even, can you hike? You know, the answer is no. Just walk around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my part of Ohio is very working class. Um, it is arguable that I live in one of the most, you know, working class places in the entire state. Um, my town that I live in today, grew up in Oregon, Ohio. Um, before it was a town, before it was even incorporated, we already had two refineries here. They've been here longer than we have. So it's just, I think that gives you a pretty good picture. Um, you know, our river mostly in the past has been used for industry. And I think we're starting to move a little away from that. Um, except for like right on the lakefront. So, and I know, you know, again, we talk about Tim Ryan, we talk about some other Democrats who have talked about jobs going to other countries. But a lot of these Midwestern um, and other cities, the industries have changed. Pittsburgh was a steel mill country, uh, 
well, I would say countries, uh, area. And now it's really tech and healthcare. Um, and so a lot of the messaging might be based in reality. Like a lot of those kinds of jobs from decades ago, they're changing. You know, we have different uh, jobs that are coming in and we should prepare for them. But I don't think a lot of people are okay with hearing that, right? Like that doesn't seem like a winning message of we're going to get different jobs. What What's the solution in places like where you're from? I think we have to do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, we just saw it here firsthand, um, you know, Pelotonia, or not Pelotonia, that's a charity event, but Peloton, the, you know, stationary cycle place, um, they were moving to Wood County, which is just one south of me. Um, they were going to, it's going to be their biggest American plant. And then in the fourth quarter, they came out with like these, um, I don't want to say record losses. I don't have the whole story straight, but it came to truth that they weren't going to be able to make that investment anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think it is true that manufacturing jobs largely are not going to be what they were in the past. And it's just, I mean, it's true that it takes, you know, 20% of workers to make an electric vehicle that it did to take a, um, a gas powered vehicle. And that's the future we're headed in. So in a town like mine, where you have GM, um, where you have, uh, you know, Jeeps for World War II were made here, and they're still made here today. We're proud of it, but unfortunately, those jobs just won't be here. And so we do have to actually go out, develop our workforce for what's coming, um, what's already here, make sure that we make that change. It's scary, but it's nothing that I don't think we can handle because right now we're losing out to places like, you know, California and Texas and Florida, so... So what's, what ways do you think, what do you think you can do that could make that happen as a legislature? Are the, is the legislature in Ohio doing anything to embrace or ride that rea- uh, wave of reality or are they just focused on things that are not helpful? hundred percent focused on things that are not helpful. Um, you know, over the past decade, Ohio's legislature has went to war on our public schools, um, Ohio in 2010 ranked fifth in public or just in education in general. Wow. Now it's 30th. Um, that's a pretty sudden drop off, and it's in, in part because of the actions of the legislature just overreaching into into the professional life of teachers who are actually trained to do these things. Um, you know, Ohio's legislature has cost taxpayers at least 2.3 billion dollars. It's been the largest public corruption scandal mm-hmm. in the history of the state. That was the first energy, and one of the plants that they gave money to and built out is actually in Indiana. Um, and so it's, it is really difficult um, for people like me who is so plugged into this to see this going on. And that, that is why I jumped into the race when I was down in Columbus, like working in the state house, um, was one of the things I saw that drove me insane. So when I moved back, I got into the race. What I think we can do about it is <laughs> economics are really hard to talk about at a, like a, a baseline level, but our tax code isn't up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, what Ohio has right now is a tax that is more economically harmful to businesses. Um, it's a commercial activities tax, so it, no matter what businesses do, it's, they don't take it out of their profits, they take it out of their gross income. Um, so businesses tend not to like that. It's actually driven a lot of them from the state, and it's a reason why a lot of them won't come back. Um, 
And it's interesting because Ohio is not like Alaska or even Florida where there's only one or two states bordering it. You have all these states around where people could be right across the river, right across the border in Pennsylvania, Indiana, Kentucky, um, you know, not much for Michigan and other places. And it, it seems like a lot of Democrats were years before, maybe they were not talking about any tax reform. And now it seems like a, a big Democratic message is um, corporate and other kind of tax reform that would actually be beneficial towards job growth. Yeah, 100%. And we've seen this in places like Michigan. Um, Michigan, over the past year, had the biggest bounce-back recovery of large states, over 2 million. I want to say it's like Idaho and, and somewhere else had like a bigger economic recovery from COVID. But Michigan um, right now has the, the biggest, most performing economy. And economically, how different is it really from Ohio? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not. Um you know, we're both manufacturing states. What's different is the leadership and the approach that they've taken. I was just doing the math on this. Uh, Ohio is actually the only state in the entire union right now which is posting lower consumer spending than it did pre-pandemic. We're the only state that hasn't recovered from the pandemic in, in consumer spending. That's really incredible because I know in Pennsylvania, we're doing very well economically right now. And it seems like no one wants to admit that in government for some reason or take like because if they admit that then they have to spend more money and other things but you know so what is what is the republican response to that or are they just focused on social issues they're just focused on social issues um 100% and and it's extremely unfortunate because it's the people of ohio that they're hurting by doing this mm-hmm. um they're very into you know nationalizing the news um seems like the thing to do right now on all sides is to rag on the president um, for not getting everything on his wish list done. But uh, that's the Republican goal. They're, they're buying into inflation and the social issues. And, uh, you know, in some parts of the state, it's working. So is it working in your area? And how do you, like, what is your area like politically? Is it something where, because you obviously want to focus on these economic issues, jobs, uh, tax changes, but is that message going to resonate if the conversation is about things that you might see as nonsense? So you got to think about that. <laughs> like, how do you how do you uh, so, get so, get through that noise? Um, you know, for me, and I think most people, the economy is really bread and butter issue, and we are able to make the distinction that Ohio's economy is not performing as well as the rest of them in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're able to say, I mean, literally every other economy in the country has recovered except for ours. And so you're able to say, um, in my political area, which admittedly has trended rightward mm-hmm. um, toward the Republicans, you're able to say, why is that? Why? What's the difference between ours and everyone else? And it's our updated tax code it's our leaders focusing on trying to divide us over these, you know, I don't want to say dumb social issues because they matter to a lot of people, but, and, and especially me, I certainly, I, you know, I'm very concerned with, um, you know, the civil liberties and, and things going on right now and, and trying to, uh, undo some of the racist past that we've had in the state, but they're going right to it. Um, 
make those things worse. Really what Ohio's leaders have done is created chaos uh, that's trying to divide us. And so I'm trying to go to the state house and, and unify. And you have experience in Ohio government, right? Like you've worked and been involved in Columbus. I've been to Columbus. And like you said, the thing I thought about it was it is very flat. <laughs> it's a nice area. Um, but and clean. It was, you know, a nice, fine place to be for a week when I was there. Um, but, you know, one thing I've talked to with other people from other states is it seems like there are three, maybe four parties going on right now under the hood. And there's like the Democrats who are trying to bring in frustrated Republicans at the same time and talk about economic issues like you. There are the conspiracy crazy Republicans. And then there are like the Mike, you might, I'm not trying to lavish praise on like the Mike DeWine Republicans who are like, okay, that guy is a business Republican, pretty sensible. And then they're going along with those other people out of fear of being demolished by them. Is that how you see Ohio now? Like two Republic, like a Republican battle where one side is clearly unfortunately winning. And then the Democrats on the outside. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, part of that assessment has to be how business sensible Republican are they if they're just giving in? You know, what does that say about them and, and what they actually believe in if they're just willing to go with that? And I think it says that they want the money and power that comes with being in office and not actually leading. Um, so, but I think that is a fair assessment. I think that there there's some Republicans that have gotten out of government, like Steve Stivers, who were mostly focused on governing. Um, Steve Stivers, the Republican from the House of Representatives that just resigned to be in charge of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Um, so I, I think that we are losing some of our moderates, and, and that's unfortunate. Well, and what and is the definition of what a moderate and a conservative and a liberal is, like, it seems like those things are not what they were, even in 2012 when you first got interested in politics. Do you see that as a change as well? Like, the labels are more meaningless in a lot of ways, because... How I would define myself as a liberal 20 years ago would be, you know, pro-universal health care and, you know, certain things like that. Now, I don't even know what all those labels identify as. Yeah, I think that's um, one of the byproducts of the Internet and all these voices that we never heard before um, sort of being projected. So it's definitely more hard to label than it was in the past, but we all know what we believe in and. We want to vote for the people that will make those things happen. So speaking of labels, one label that you are um, trying to figure out is a label of what your district is, right? The redistricting process in, in Ohio is very frustrating to anybody who's trying to run for office. What is the process now in Ohio? Like you tweeted today, like today would be a great day to find out what these maps are. Like, yeah. are you hopeful? Is there something to look forward to or is it just going to be chaos forever? I'm not hopeful. No, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a lot of people um, who are hopeful. You know, I don't think, um, and I know for a fact, the the Ohio Democrats or the Ohio Democrats really didn't think that the map was going to, or the the court was going to strike down this last set of maps um, because they like barely squeaked by the requirements, um, and then you know, luckily the court did that. Um, truthfully. I've had a good idea of what I thought would happen right before every court decision. I've been right on all of them so far. This time, I have no idea. I have no idea what the, the Republicans are going to do. 
it seems like some of the members of the commission are tired of what's going on, but then again, they keep going along with it anyway. Um, their public projection, um, what they're saying is not matching what they're doing. Um, and, and again, to me, that indicates somebody who's much more interested in just staying in power than actually leading and doing what's right. Isn't there a kind of perverse incentive to not get along in the, in the redistricting process or anything that would cede power? Because let's say I was a Republican leader in the majority. I'll call myself, um, you know, Representative Smith. And if I give a, give a map that would give Democrats a more power, more, more opportunity to get more seats, then I look like I'm giving up, that I'm hurting my side. So as a result, I can't do that. I can't be the one that it's my fault. So I'm going to let the Supreme Court be the one to blame, quote-unquote, for when the map becomes more, as we would say, fair, so that everybody has more of a chance to win. And as a result, they end up hurting themselves because they can't get bipartisan buy-in because no one wants to be the one who is blamed for cooperating. You know, that's that's absolutely true. Um I don't know which one of the first like redistricting members will be to kind of break from it all. None of them, you know, have that incentive to, like you're saying, but somebody has to eventually, I don't know if we'll see it today. I don't know if we'll see it in three weeks. You know, the court technically can throw them in jail for not complying with their orders if they don't pass them out today. So I don't know if any of that'll happen. There's, there's a lot of factors. Um, that could play into all of that, and I really don't have an answer of what, what I think is going to happen. So you don't have an answer for what your district will be or when it will be. You might know tomorrow. You might know in a month. Hopefully you know sooner than later. But what will be your process for running for office? Because, you know, there's all this uncertainty, and you also might have to run against uh, a very challenging political atmosphere with a midterm election with a Democratic president. So what will your strategy be to try to secure some votes? Yeah. So I've already, I only have one here next to me. The, the rest are in another room, but um, I've got my lit here. Mm -hmm. I've got, uh, I've got some turf cut up. Uh, starting this weekend, I'm headed out to go knock doors. Um, you know, direct voter contact is always what makes the biggest difference in elections. Um, it's been proven that it makes the most difference. And so really getting my name out there, uh, telling people what I'm about and, you know, actually having the opportunity to connect with them and listen to their concerns is how I think I'm going to win the election. So I think I'm going to win the primary. So I think I'm going to win the general. Um, so that's, that's my goal. I know for a fact that I'm going to have the Eastern portion of Lucas County, at least from Oregon and, and Jerusalem township okay. um, to the end of the County. There's not really another way that you could do it. None of the draft maps have included anything but those. Um, in fact, they're the only mainstay. So that's my goal is to start there. And whenever they decide they want to play fair, um, then I'll actually be able to go out and meet some of the other voters. So you you at least have some idea, whereas some other people might not, of, okay, I'm good, definitely going to have these places so I can start campaigning there and do that. Um, you say you're going to win. Do you have a competitive primary then to win? And like, do you have some things you will need to do to kind of secure some endorsements or groups that would help back you? 
Yeah, it'll be tough. Um, I think sort of in any election, and neither one of us, um, my opponent or I, have ever faced voters before. Um, we're running for an open seat. Um, and, the, I mean, there's part of the – we probably shouldn't be drawn in the same district. We lived, you know, if you do the math on it, as the bird flies, as the crow flies, um, we live 15 miles apart from each other. In a place that's as highly dense – highly densely populated as Toledo is, we should not be drawn together in a district with 100,000 people. Um, in fact, in, in most of the maps that they passed and proposed, if you did it, it's contiguous over water twice over the Maumee River. You actually have to leave the district twice to drive through it because there's no bridge that connects the district together. Um, and so, so should I actually get a primary opponent? Um, you know, my strategy doesn't change too much. I'm going to go out and listen to the voters. Um, I'm going to campaign the right way um, for the people. And uh, that's that's my plan moving forward. And like I said, I, I did some volunteer work through a union um, in 2008 in, in Columbus um, for uh, then-candidate Obama, who was, it was the primary. So our, the union I was working for had endorsed him. And in Ohio, those union endorsements were a big deal in the primary, and it like, um, really helped to get him some support. It was great seeing uh, they had some big names from Ohio at Ohio State University doing a rally, and we got to go to that. Um, is that what any Democrat running in Ohio has to do, especially in a primary, is to get like a lot of union backing? I think so. I think it's at least important, um, one, just because... You know, it's important to be for the working people, and a union endorsement certainly shows that, mm -hmm. right? Um, and two, in, a, in small races like mine, um, the money that you can raise is certainly very important. That comes from a union endorsement. That's great. So it's a challenging time. You knew what you you kind of knew what you were going to get into with the challenges of running for office, um, and now is the time for a lot of places where the um, you know, Pennsylvania, people don't know when they can run either because we're still waiting for our districts through legal issues as well. It's fun, isn't it? Um, as a first-time candidate yourself, even with all the uncertainty and the challenges, why would you encourage people to run for office, especially now with a challenging atmosphere to run? Nothing is easy, right? I mean, there's, there's conflicting sayings, right? Uh, you know, half of life is just showing up. <laughs> so that's true the other half is actually doing something um and so when you see things that you are upset with when you see things that that make your blood boil and, and you have new ideas and you actually want to go make a difference the most meaningful way that you can do that is to run for office if you have the stomach for it um you know that's <laughs> certainly um it's not a place for people with with thin skin I won't say you need thick skin, but it's not it's not easy. Um, public life has, has definitely been difficult to acclimate to. Um, yeah. But it is rewarding when you can actually go out and say that I've made this difference. Like um, I won a Jefferson Award several years ago for public service and, and volunteerism. Um, when you actually go out and see the difference that you're able to make, that's very rewarding. Now, I'm not on the other side of that yet. For running for office, but I'm sure that that's something you could speak to as a councilman. It is. I mean, I I'm only a, like um, I'm not a state rep, though I've worked with many, and I 
look through my town and I can see the business that came in. Even something small like the stop sign or um, the new event that came in and how we are part of it. You, Even if no one gives you credit for it, if you know yourself that you are the one that helped make that happen, it's it feels like things were worthwhile because something is better because you were there. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, I'm very proud of the work that I did in the state house and uh, the research that I did to kind of understand what goes on there. So, well, great. But one thing you do for research is you want to get your name out there and let people know Um, we connected on social. What is the best way for people to follow you and, and learn more about your campaign? You know, for any campaign, the best place to go is the website. It's got the links for everything. Um, you know, I'd certainly, for the ultra online, I would encourage you to follow me on Twitter um, and Facebook. Um, definitely and, the best way to stay up to date. And all of those are Colin Flanagan uh, 08. Yes. Yep. Um, so Colin Flanagan oh. Like, like you're saying, and then you realize, oh, that's who it is. Colin Flanagan, the Greek guy, right? Like, that's a, so, um, no, I appreciate it. Colin's got a, a working class roots and experience in Ohio, and it's going to be an interesting election, um, but you can't win if you don't run. So thank you, Colin, for taking your time today, and best of luck in Ohio. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, and, uh, you know, best of luck in Pennsylvania with your redistricting situation as well. I know that my state rep will still have our area, and he's Tim Briggs, and, you know, he is, uh, if you follow him, you'll be, if you do the kind of votes he does, you'll do well. Outstanding. <laughs> Great. Good Thank luck, you. and if you're listening here, maybe you should consider running for office, too. Thank you. 100%. Thanks.